Welcome back to Season 2 of the Bricoleur's Notebook. I'm co-host Jack Eastwood, and I'm here with... Co-host Don McKay. And we're glad you've come back to join us for our second kick at the Oddcasting Can. <laughs> the Oddcasting Can, very well put. And Don, what's the first thing in that can in the second season? Well, Jack, for the first episode, we left our cherished table, third co-host, behind uh, to travel up the shore to Cape Broyle to do an interview. We did the first interview with two wonderful bricolures who live not far from St. John's on what they call the Southern Shore. One of them is Nicola Hawkins, who's an amazing multi-artistic performer. She's a dancer, a choreographer, a painter, a sculptor, and a videographer. And her partner is Andy Perlis. And Andy is a multi-talented engineer, carpenter, cabinet maker, scrounger, and again, a bricolure. Yes. One of the occasions for doing this is a wonderful piece of art that was up in the rooms some time ago called uh, Junkosphere. So we went down to Cape Royal to interview Andy and Nicola, and this is the result of our conversation. Hi, folks. This podcast, we are down in Cape Royal at the house of two artists who will introduce themselves to us, please. I'm Nicola Hawkins, the missus of the house. And? Andy Perlis. I guess I'm the mister of the house. And we're here in this beautiful, repurposed building. And what, what was this before you got it? It was St. Immaculata Church. Right. Wow. So or was it called the Church of the Immaculate Conception? Well, you know, we don't know because no one seems to have called it anything except the church. No kidding. Yeah, Admiral's Cove Church. So, uh, so the official name is... is it, it, it was Catholic. And we are on the Cape... No, we're not on the Cape Shore. Not, we're on no. the Avalon. Yes, yeah. Southern Shore. Southern, Southern, Southern Shore, Southern. which was... Let's get our chat. Uh, it's the Irish on. Shore, as they call it, and it was mostly Irish Catholic. So Yeah, it's also called the Irish Loop. We join you because... First of all, we're fascinated not only with what you make, but the process behind the dynamic of why and how you live in the manner in which you do, which is integral, I think, to your bricolage. Yes, I think so, you're right on that, Jack. Well, just give us your take on, each of your takes on how you go about what you do. Well, I think we're both thrifty by nature. I was born of war babies, so I've been handed down this illustrious idea of waste not, want not, make do, and also don't put off for tomorrow what, what can, be can be done today, today which I think is also a bricolage uh, attitude. Uh, Actually, maybe not, because we do, we do hoard things as bricolers, right? Yes. But when the spontaneity comes that you repurpose something with something else. It's a very immediate, yeah. spontaneous act, isn't it? It's not something you say, okay, well, I'll do this in three stages, and there's a certain flow. Anyway, for me, mm -hmm. it becomes a compulsion to get to do. I noticed this with bricolores of my acquaintance, 
like Jack here, and our friend Stan and other people collect. To, that there is a kind of collection of materials that might be used in the in in the future, mm. as in the case of my table that Jack built, and Jack and I built in the kitchen. But some of those boards go back what 30, 40 years. I thought but you just does. built that. No, I, well, I have to confess, Jack was a little bit of a help here, <laughs> but with my, minor things like tools and ingenuity. What I had was desire. I wanted a table, <laughs> and also help with holding things. But I noticed this. The collecting, having a collection of things that's there, when that yes. inspiration or whatever strikes, yeah. then, oh, this might be the time to use that old faucet or that old piece of tight pipe or that old board and so on. And as an example, I'm going to ask Andy, tell us about the bathroom floor. Oh, well, I think that was Nikki's idea, um, but I don't really remember. But the, the bathroom floor is uh, made of pennies. It's tiled with pennies. And the original floor was plywood, uh, subfloor. And then is plastic pipe for our heating that's run off of an electric uh, boiler that uh, heats the floor. So the best thing to do is to bury the pipes in concrete, which holds heat. It's a heat sink. So it, it stabilizes the heat. And then when we poured the concrete, it was part of a big pour, and it didn't make a very good job. We didn't do a very good job. We're running around the whole house, smoothing the concrete all over the place. So we had to think about what to do here. So I decided to put a skim coat, like a mortar, and then get that even, and then embed the pennies for our surface. We um, had a lot of pennies. So do you remember the story of the pennies? Well, we, we brought, when we came to Newfoundland, we brought our pennies from America with us. Why did we do that? I don't know. Because we took them to the bank. We were ready to cash in oh, yeah. years of pennies. And they wouldn't take them. They, would, they ch wanted to charge us for rolling them. Oh, yeah. Oh. That, was, that must have been the pivot of that the good old days. In yes. the good old days, they yes. rolled them for you. Yeah, so we just put them in a, we had them in a jar and we just put them in the trailer. Yeah. So this so was... Pennywise, just to turn back to you. Yes. Going back to the 30s. The Pennywise, yes. what's that? Pennywise, Pennywise pound, pound, foolish. pound Foolish. What does that mean? It means that you will, you, will, uh, you will do something, but because you're too cheap to spend any, you know, you, you think you're going to get away with it, and you end up spending way more than uh, ne is necessary. So, yeah. so you're, you're Pennywise, but Pound Foolish, you were, because it ends up costing you way more than you were planning it to cost. So you were you're thinking, and you're thinking penny wise and you're, you're pound stupid. Really. Well, I, I, well it worked out for the floor. Well, there's the also a penny saved is a penny earned. Yeah. That's my uh, penny. That's yes. my penny. That's, that's it. That's <laughs> well, it. one Yeah, I mean this is this is totally aside, but at one point that would have what you did would have been illegal. And pennies are now lo no longer, but that would have been defacing the current American currency or British pound or, I mean, I noticed there were all kinds of other coins in there, not just pennies. Yeah, there were yeah, there's a, coins a collection of foreign coins. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, isn't breaking the law kind of part of bricolage? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so. Well, yes. Well, well uh, we, we like the to, thing we on like, a rail bike, which is... Uh, we like to say it's going down a different route. <laughs> a different route, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's important in bricolage, for my humble opinion here. It's that if you, if you respect the economic system, if, you, if you're 
if you believe in it, if you believe that the way that we do things is the best way, that the things are made somewhere and brought to Walmart and you go out and you buy them and you fill your house with them. Yeah. If you actually believe that, there's not much room for bricolo. Right. You have to be disrespectful to the system, the right. economic system. Exactly. Otherwise, you wouldn't bother. That yeah, just the act of bricolage yeah, is a political it's act. Yes. It's a political or act. So it's both a political act and an artistic act. And in some ways, it's both, in both of these, it challenges those large categories. It challenges the category of politics. And it challenges the category of accepted art, capital A. Right. And when it's put on a wall, the bricolage, maybe in a gallery, maybe it loses some of its power because of the expectation that people have when they come and see that piece of art. Well, that, that kind That's of brings us to, 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 the, to the, one of the pieces that you two collaborated and built, which is an absolutely fascinating work of art called The Junkosphere. Can you, can you uh, give a, 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 a precy to our listener what The Junkosphere is? And, and then we'll go back into, well, where did it start? Can I start with where did it start? First? Yes. <laughs> so I think, well, this word, this term bricolage, bricoleur, is what each of us want it to mean, right? I think you're right. So it's a yeah. playful term. But I, I uh -huh. was thinking of this in the shower this morning, preparing for you guys. <laughs> Every child is a bricoleur. Every child goes to the beach and yes. scavenges. Every kid in the city waking, sitting at the bus stop or standing at the bus stop, surrounded by these looming tall adults with maybe a shelter up above looks down right every yeah. little kid and finds a coin if they're lucky or a sweetie wrapper or a shard of glass or a rusty nail on the street collects a treasure trove of items right i don't know whether kids are kids now are told don't do don't pick that up that's dirty maybe on, on certain occasionally right <laughs> if they were even allowed at a bus stop right well, the times may be changing somewhat there for children that's for sure but i think that's true and there is that sort of like not only are you repurposing but you're also going back into a kind of childhood invention yeah where you're actually been... making your own way in the material world yes with, you're yeah. telling stories to yourself you're making little figures out of this little shard of glass and this sweetie wrapper and you're creating a world and you belong in that world and you only know that world unless you share it with your best friend and they bring their little treasures along too. So my whole life I've been doing that and saving things. I'm by nature a big collector of strewn objects. Which, objects that others have shared. Yeah. yeah. I don't like to call it trash because, no. I don't know, it's such a hard word. Which makes me think, have you guys seen Agnes Bardo's film Gleaners? No. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, that's something um, you might want yeah. to put on the website as, I think it was done in the 60s. Yeah. It's all about people who glean. Right, right. Um, None of those in this room. To get back to your original question, that gleaning is a way of life for me. 
food-wise, furniture-wise. But I also realize it's kind of a luxury to be a gleaner because you need time to glean. It's a luxury in this fast-paced modern world because you need time to walk the streets and have things arrive at your feet. Unless, I guess it's, and unless you're homeless maybe, or jobless, or, you know, you need a lot of time. Yeah. So would it be fair to say that you're the type of person who's walking along the street and sees a couple of bolts that have fallen off mm. of, of a, a truck that's gone by or a vehicle and you say, oh, oh, look, okay. Most people will walk by that. Doesn't even register. Oh, yeah. But bolts. you're the person or the type of people who those things register. And I think that's one of the elements of a bricolore is those things register. Yes. It's like, yeah. oh, right. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, yeah, especially if it's utilitarian like a bolt. Yeah. You know, you're going to be wanting that someday soon. Well, yes. <laughs> I think that uh, I, I agree with all that. I think there's another element in people who collect things for future use. What you have to do, I think, is see an object for what it is and not the way you were told what it is. A bolt yeah. is, is kind of clear because a, a bolt does a certain thing and it has a certain meaning. But if you see a piece of wood, let's say, mm -hmm. and it's broken off of something else like a piano, you have to see that not as a broken piano, but as a piece of wood. You have to see that, you have to see that as a piece of material that's been cut from a tree. Not, not that's part of a piano. You have to right. dis disembody the thing from its cultural setting. Good point. And, what, and once you've made that leap in your mind about everything, when you start seeing a chair, not as, I mean, it's something to sit on, but it's, it's also a collection of materials. It's also a, a geometric shape. It's, it has all kinds of ways of understanding that object, right? I, I think you'll be interested in one of the odd casts called Pig, uh, Dinner at Pygmalion's, which is, has been artwork by Jack. Yeah. Exactly that thing about chairs. So we replaced oh. chair legs with an actual, like, a body part. That, I think that's a really interesting point. That, it it that opened... Is, sorry. No, go ahead. No. no I, I'm the co-host. You're the guest, you strange person. <laughs> well, no, it simply opens up possibility. It opens up your imagination. Yeah. It, no, it's, it's not the imagination so much. It's just there's possibility there. Ah. Uh, what? Well, I was just talking further to what both of you were... You were saying this. There's a you're kind of recognizing that this object, this thing, is not defined by its original purpose necessarily. Yeah. And it, so it's a freedom from the definition. Let's say that's a broken piece of a piano leg, or that's that's normal use. It's just as Jack Wolf say, it has it has a life beyond what purposes we had initially. Yeah. Did. Well, confined it to or enslaved it to, etc. It's a kind of liberation from, from, from those things. I think that's, then that's part of that excitement that the child has, is not being told. Yeah. You know, especially the stuff that's just picked up rather than a set. It's not Lego. Right, and now, they claim it as theirs. Yes. We claim those, that detritus as ours. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's also, as, as you said about the, the imagination of the child is, oh, 
they don't, as Andy just said, they don't see that as a piece of this or a piece of that. They see it as, oh, well, okay, if I take this little piece of wood and I take these three marbles that I found and this little dirty old doll that was in the backyard and I put them together, I can make this little icon to, to my in imagination. Yes. I can make that. And so it was interesting to me that you talk, you began with a child because I think the process of education removes that. And then, yeah. and I think one of the things that it, for a bricolore is it, it doesn't get removed, but it has to be embraced. If you don't embrace it, you can't be a bricolore because it's sort of like, oh, oh no, no, no. I, and that's so often you hear people say, well, I really like what you do. I could never do that. Yeah. Well, yes, you could. Yeah, of course. You haven't given yourself permission. Ah. And that's one of the elements of a bricolore is they take permission. They've, at some point, they give themselves permission to do something with something that other people would go, I would have never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. and I think the, the real uh, value of it is less about the art side. For that child, the value is their relationship with those disparate objects. And when someone else comes along, like mummy or daddy, and says, well, if you put this on, wouldn't that look like they're wearing a hat? And, the and maybe that's a lovely aesthetic change, but the child will say, no, no. <laughs> And so, don't you drag my bricolage into the world of art. So I think exactly. I yeah. think there's some power in it that is beyond this label of art. Yes, it might be aesthetic and intriguing and challenging, but the real power of it is in the moment it's made, the the culmination, and then you've made it, and it's like, oh, goes back in the shed or or you give it away or yeah that's that's one of the because just to follow on from that mm -hmm. isn't bricolage you don't really the nature of us of it is you don't have an a goal to make the object a certain way you're not even that necessarily conscious you're not really trying to refine something to, that is going to be beautiful and satisfying you're you're trying to see how you can get away with fitting things together so that they kind of are working with you. You're working with them, and it is working you to make it. Yeah, uh, I would say, I, I mean, I, the, I could not disagree with that at all. In other words, yes. Um, <laughs> that was a short answer. <laughs> yeah, and returning back to the original question, yeah. which was two-part, and you began with the children. Yeah. Now let's go to the Junkosphere itself. People will have seen an image of it on our website. So what was the element? The beginning. That, yeah, because I'm sure that the bricklore doesn't know what it's going to become. They just start. Yeah. And so what started that? I started that with um, a painting. Well, it was probably one of the very earliest collages I no nah, that's not true because I've always stuck things in paintings but I'm uh -huh. my by nature well I was more a painter than a sculptor mm -hmm. 
And I, I did a, I was very into using different sorts of found papers in my paintings. It was for me at that time very uncomfortable to go out and buy a piece of paper or a piece of a canvas or a piece of art board uh. and then start. I much prefer to start from, as we say, found stuff. So I realized I had a whole collection of dress patterns from my grandmother, I think they were. And you know the dress patterns have that very fine, almost transparent, like parchment paper? Yes. Mm -hmm. With the black ink printed on and you'd cut out your pattern to make your piece of clothing. Yeah. It's very fine tissue paper, that's yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah. Now it's changed. But at that time, it was very terrible, and there probably wasn't any much binder in the paper. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of that, and a lot of these straight lines with arrows, because there's a little key of uh. symbols on how to put these witches up on the pant leg and witches down, and where to match. There are these little triangles. There's a, a sort of iconography that comes with the, a, a key that comes with the pattern. And I thought this was a, an interesting language. And to me, it was, I was also thinking about the plight of the earth having moved to a place that was somewhat pristine still, Newfoundland, untouched. And these arrows just got me thinking of how, like, daggers into ah. our environment. So I made a painting, and I made an earth, and I have the daggers of these black lines and the tissue paper stuck on it. And so that was an image of the Junkosphere. Ah. It, um, did not, it, was, it was not part of the show. No. This is part of the show. This was well, not, well, not part of the show. But it became a part of it. Was displayed in but this was a genesis for the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So then I had it on, on our wall for a while or on the floor somewhere. And I didn't know whether there was anything else to say at that point in my life other than what are we doing to our planet. And then I thought I just had the, the opportunity to have a show at the rooms and thought this needs to be louder and bigger and stronger voice than this little collage. So um, at that time, and before that, I was scavenging since we moved here in the woods, you find old tar parts and they're beautifully rusted and old sinks. Um, we used one sink we found in the woods for a while uh, in the house. Also, in, we were spending our winters in India at that time. And in an earlier time, we actually met in India. During that time, India didn't have any plastic or very, very little. Ah. And I was collecting lots of paper from the street, you know, paper that food was wrapped up in, matchboxes, a lot of waste that was very beautifully colored. Ah. So... Um, I had quite a stash of things in my shed and... And a big suitcase. You know, it's funny. <laughs> well, you know, paper, you can... You fold it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's portable. You can wear it to keep warm, Jack. <laughs> so, uh, so to the Junkosphere, I don't know when it became... Oh, yes, I had the... We have a local dump, or we did then. Now the dumps on the island, I think, have all become... What's the word? Centralized. Centralized. And you can't go in them now. 
Right. So I was a weekly scavenger there. It started for finding materials to put in the house build, you know, windows and things like that. But of course, a lot of other things came with it. So I wanted to put all these things into all the found objects into a sphere. And Andy said, what the hell are you doing, Nikki? <laughs> he, said, you I, need I, a, he said, you need a... You probably said you need a maquette or a structure. Oh, I see. Oh, you just Or maybe to I had the, the idea of, of wire. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. to get... to You cannot have a globe and have it as a wonky... There has to... A sphere is such... Yeah, you need, need a scaffold. Is that well, a, that's, that was... I think the thing is for... But to, to notice the blue, to realize it is, to believe it's the planet, it mm. has to be... A sphere. sphere. Yeah, it has, yeah. Yeah, it has to be a sphere. Yeah. It can't be wonky, and everything I do is wonky, so... And needs to be three-dimensional as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I, uh, and I, I think it was my idea, I'll, take, I'll claim it anyway, was to have a turn. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So yes. That, was a, that was a challenge, but it was not too bad. So we, so I put together a bicycle arrangement with pedals. I, I, I red sacked a bicycle, you know, mm -hmm. an old bicycle, took it apart, and hooked. I had to go out and get gearing on. That was not to chain gear, but to, to change the speed of the turning sphere. Like you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to be going hundreds, of, hundreds yeah. of miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it actually is going that fast, right? <laughs> right. Well, but it, my sphere is not as big as yours. Just a moment. So, um, so I had to get, I had to gear it way down. Yeah. Like hundred, I don't know what it was, sixty to one or something. I can't remember. Uh -huh. So I, I did have to go up and buy a gear, and I actually ended up getting it from Italy of all places. I uh, went on the internet and I was looking around for something that was relatively cheap and small. And I found something, I think it came from America, but it was made in Italy. Mm -hmm. And it was quite small, not too much bigger than a couple of fists put together. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to hook that up into the bicycle gear. Mm -hmm. And then there was the mounting issue, because the whole thing weighed. I made the, I made the sphere itself out of plywood. Really? Oh. No, no, not the skin, not the skin, but yeah, the structure to hold all this. Wow! You know, and it had to. It was big. It had to be heavy. It was all. It, but it was hollow. I mean, it, it was plywood. Uh, I, I was it quarter inch? Was it small? What's that? Light plywood, not 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 a three quarter inch, like quarter inch. Well, or what I had to do was cut ribs. Oh yeah. Cut ribs out of plywood. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So it had to be no, I wide, see. I see. The ribs. Right. Right. You made ribs. Okay. Yeah. Good. I made ribs, and I and I had a, and also here was the big problem was the size, in getting it into the rooms itself, uh, and and, and oh, transporting yes. it into in a truck. I had to make it, it in get, two pieces. It uh, couldn't get through the doors. I had it oh. in two. Really? Pieces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They should have it large enough to get stuff in there. Yeah. Sculptural dynamic. I know. Yeah, That's I ridiculous. Know. I know. So, it so, would... I, so so I had to make it in two pieces. So I had it was two different units basically and, to make a globe to, and, and put it together. Wow! And it had to be supported from the bottom. The weight had to be held on the bottom, and the thing weighed in total probably uh, I don't know four four hundred pounds. Jeez. So that shaft that's holding it 
weighs I 400 pounds. Well, I, 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 I had to use a, maybe use a one or one and a quarter inch steel rod sitting on a bearing. And then I'm going to turn it. Yeah, I turned there. the gear, and the gear was partially up the shaft. Right. And it turned. Right. So the, the weight went through the gearing. Going through the I have to look 10 years ago. And Derek, Derek O'Brien, our friend and neighbor. Yeah, a um, fisherman and a welder and, a, a, and, and a, a, a. And an amazing bricoleur. A bricoleur. Well, he's, he's a machinist. Yeah. He was an ex machinist turned. Uh, he does machinery, yeah. you know, part time uh -huh. uh, in the community. So he, I worked with him and we had to build a, a steel table to carry the weight. Right, absolutely. Right. Yeah, and to hold the gearing in place. So, so, it's, it's so the initial good. the initial was you gathering paper. Yeah. Then the first picture yes. on the wall and looking at that and then okay, well how about if we take and we make a globe? Yeah. And then well how are we gonna fit that globe up? So this is the process of bricolage. No, you didn't say at the beginning, oh, let's do the junkosphere. Right. It didn't work, it didn't work out like, like Nikki And Nikki said, let there be junkosphere. <laughs> and there was junkosphere. <laughs> well, she did want to go. She did want to go. But then we, we had to start thinking about how we're going to attach all the stuff that Nikki had collected. Yes. Uh, yeah. To, uh, yeah. To create. So we so. covered it with wire. With uh, wire. Of chicken wire. Chicken wire. Well, wire. It wasn't chicken wire. It was. Oh yeah, no. It was. Um, it was some I chicken wire to inch, make half-inch wire cloth. They call it, you know, half-inch squares yeah, yeah. on stiff wire. Yeah, Which yeah. is more stiff than chicken wire. Yeah, much stiffer. Uh, and, and harder so, to get around, though, wouldn't it? Well, in strips, but then there was loads and loads of. Uh, Paper mache, paper mache made out of um, egg cartons, ah, right? Ah. Um, with um, a hand mix. You know those wand hand mixers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixer. Yes. Put a paint First, mixer it was a, a paint drill. mixer on a drill. Yeah. On a drill, but that didn't. It needed more of a blade. So you use one of the like the bronze soup mixers. Yes. Beep, beep, yeah. Beep. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but it took. You, you kind of had to do it delicately because it would burn it out in no time. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> make it a Zen practice. Once an hour, do, you know, five minutes worth. So, it's not that easy making a planet, it turns out. <laughs> well, we're going to end this episode here and take up the problems of being bricklers who are creating a planet in our next episode. Of course, as you have probably realized, the planet that Nikki and Andy were creating was not the ideal Edenic planet or the first creation, but the planet in its current condition, a junkosphere. Yes, and on that junkosphere, we have to add some new news that you've been listening to this at the Bricolores Notebook, and we're now happy to announce that we are both on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So as well as our website, thebricklersnotebook.com, you can hear us on those two digital platforms. So if you enjoyed this episode, please come back. If you didn't, blame, blame Sally. Sally.